So I read a story this week about an Amish family, and they were visiting New York for the first time, and they were just amazed by everything they saw. Because the real life they grew up on this new little farm, uh, and they'd grown up there, and they lived there their entire life, so everything was just completely new to them. But they arrive at their hotel, and the father and the son, they go in, and they go in to check into their room. And mom outside, she's there with the horse buggy stuff. But while they're waiting at the reception desk, they see an old woman and she's 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 hopping along so she is to the lift in the hotel. And they've obviously never seen a lift before. But she goes over to it and she presses the button. And the, the father and the son are so confused, like, what's gonna happen here? So they, they keep their eyes on this old woman. And she presses the button and the doors slide open and she steps inside and then the doors close. The father and the son are so why is she trapping herself in this box? <laughs> and about a minute later, the doors open again, and out comes a stunningly attractive young woman. <laughs> <laughs> and the father pats his son on the shoulder and he says, Quick, get your mother
has her entire life transformed by her encounter with Jesus. And there's the surprise of this passage. He's pursuing our salvation. In verse 10, though, Jesus wants to point the woman not to the significance of him asking for this water. His actions are already shown in the man. What he wants to point to is the magnitude of his offer. He wants to point to the sufficiency of this offer. He's reaching out to say that in me and me alone will you find this all-sufficient saviour. The one who satisfies the spiritual thirst that's in all of us. Look at verse 10 with me. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Verse 11. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? So she doesn't say it yet, just like the demons we saw a few weeks ago. Jesus said to him, I have new birth for you. And he said, How can an adult draw back into the womb? And here she says, You have living water for me, but where's your bucket? As much as we think these responses are pretty stupid, this is a picture of us. It's a picture of how we are blind and unable to see the glory of God. So what is this living water then? And what value is it in the midst of our woeful condition? The condition that says we need something beyond what this world can offer. Well, look at verse 13 and 14 with me. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And later in John 7, we discover that this living water is the Holy Spirit. We joked a bit about our album group a couple of weeks ago that we were attending the same churches to preach the Trinity almost as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. So we're getting the Holy Spirit back in here tonight. And I think we might be forgetting about forget about the Holy Spirit a bit because it seems a bit more abstract than the Father and the Son. But I think that's why Jesus uses terms that we can understand. He uses the terms of the water. It's essential for And here's three things that we see from verses 13 and 14 about this water that he gives, this gift of living water that he offers you today. First thing, if you drink it, you will never thirst. It's always there to satisfy you when your longing soul is thirsty. And we always will have that thirst that needs satisfied. That won't go away. And I'm sure you know that from your own experience, that you long for something more than the world can offer. But if, if you want some authority on it, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that says, God has set eternity in the human heart. You'll always be in need of God. You'll always have that thirst that needs satisfied. But those who drink from Jesus' cup will be satisfied. The Holy Spirit you're given doesn't deplete like a little puddle in, in the sun over time. Jesus says here, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. And the second thing we see from these verses is that this water becomes a spring, a well of water. And that's why you never get thirsty again. It's not because one drink is enough, but it's because one true drink of this produces a well for an eternity of drinks. None of this idea that I heard recently from a girl this week, that you can pray a prayer and then do whatever the heck you like. Yeah, that, that wasn't really taking a drink from his cup. I think that was her taking a drink from whatever cup that she wanted. And because the spirit you're given will change you. And it'll change you for the good. It's an exciting thing. And he'll testify for you that Jesus is Lord. He'll help you. He's your mark of your salvation. And he's the seal of your assurance. That's point number three. 
This water gives eternal life. Those who are in Christ are sealed by the Spirit and will go into eternal life. This living water is your assurance for eternal life. It's not your merit, and that's a comfort for us all. This is the crux of the passage. Jesus brings satisfaction. He meets your need to be saved, and it's complete and it's permanent. Satisfaction is in God alone. But at this point, the woman still misses the spiritual significance. And I'm sure Jesus just wants to scream, like, your need is not your physical thirst. Your need is salvation. And you need need what I offer to live. Satisfaction is in God alone. But look at where she's been looking for it. Verses 16 to 18, follow with me on your sheets. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. It seems a bit random in the flow of conversation, but what Jesus is highlighting for the woman is what we all need highlighted for us, really, where we look for satisfaction. For me, I was convinced that different friends would do it, or that the next academic or sporting success would just be the thing that really got me satisfaction. And I was searching for anything but God, really. And some of you here are maybe in a similar position to the woman. And you think that a partner will satisfy you. For others, it's maybe that it's a new car, or a new house, or more money, or a job promotion, retirement, kids, grandkids. We all have something where we think, if only I had this, I'd be content. Or whenever I get this, to get to this stage, or whenever I have this, then, then it'll be all okay. But I, I can say this with confidence, the world will never fulfill you. Your life will be like a sink, you know the way in a sink that you have a little hole just below the top of where the basin is, so that no matter how much you pour in, it'll never be full. Never content, never satisfied, never able to overflow. Because what we long for is a saviour whether we understand that now or not. We have a capacity in our hearts that only God can fulfill. And when I believe in a creator, then that's something that I can understand because he should make us in the way that only he can satisfy. This woman is looking for satisfaction all around her. And here Jesus steps in and says, ask me for a drink and I will give you living water. You'll never thirst again. And this next section, verses 20 to 24, gives us a point Pretty similar to John Piper's tagline for Desiring God, if you've, if you've read any of that. And it's this, God is glorified when we are satisfied in him. God is glorified when we are satisfied in him. We'll come back to that in a second, because in this passage, what I think this woman does is she throws up what her barriers are at this point. And although it's maybe a bit of a tangent, Jesus firmly has his eyes set on the purpose of why he came. He's there to pursue her salvation. And I think we have a lot to learn from her response, though. Because what she does is she says, you know what, I want this living water, but here's, just, here's what I can't get past right now. Why don't we do that with our barriers? Why don't we tell God about our doubts? Or ask people to help us work through them? Why don't we search this book day and night to try and find answers? Or why don't we ask a Christian that we know will be able to help us? Or ask Marty or ask myself if I'd be any help? Because look what happens here. She doesn't understand why the Jews and the Gentiles disagree about where they should worship. 
And Jesus says, you know what? A time is coming when that won't even matter. That's not foundational, but you know what does matter? It matters that you worship in the spirit and in truth. And so she gets an answer for this barrier that she's just put up. And so she can take the barrier down again. And what's left is clarity about how she can worship this one who's offering her the living water. And it's by taking the living water itself. Everyone worships in slightly different formats. Some like traditional hymns. Some prefer more contemporary praise. Some raise their hands. Some stay perfectly still. And you know who's offering true worship there? Maybe none of them. Or maybe all of them. Because it's not about the externals. Jesus says that it's about the content. It's about the heart of the worshipper. There's a unifying theme for any worship which satisfies God, and we find it here. It's worship in the light of who Jesus is. Jesus is the truth, and so it's in light of the truth. And it's worship by the help of the Holy Spirit. We worship the Father through the truth that is the Son and by the help of the Holy Spirit. That's a picture of the Trinity there. Jesus has her salvation in focus because what he's saying is that it's through his saving work and through him giving believers the Spirit that anyone will offer worship which God seeks. Take this living water and your worship will be true, Jesus says. Those who are satisfied by God offer worship which satisfies God. God is glorified when we are satisfied in him. Look at verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Whatever your barriers are, throw them out there. You're maybe not a Christian yet, but you've probably had that feeling of emptiness in your life. Like there must be something more. You've probably had a point where you just know that something you're chasing isn't going to give you lasting satisfaction. And let me tell you, I know it's not a feel-good moment when you get there. I've been there. But if we want this living water, and if as believers we want to rely on the spring of living water that's in us, then we need to be people who stay in the light and who throw those barriers up to get them taken down. We need to be people who worship in spirit and truth, because God is glorified when we are satisfied in him. And this next bit, verses 25 to 42, I'd I'd love to spend longer on, but I'm aware that time is probably running away right now. Um, There's so much we can learn from it, though, because we see so many different responses. But in all of them, we see this. This satisfaction is at hand for all. This satisfaction is at hand for all. But I wonder, do our responses show that? First, look at the turning point for the woman. Right after she takes her barriers down, look what she says in verse 25. I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I am the Messiah. And at that moment, the woman leaves. But she leaves transformed. Her own response is proof that this satisfaction is at hand for all. The most unlikely candidate accepted and loved and leaving with the water jar there so that Jesus can fill it with the living water as she goes on. Verse 28, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come 
See a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? But her response doesn't just affect her. It affects everyone around her. Do you see the invite there? It's come and see. If only we'd be a bit bolder to say come and see more often to those around us. I told you that we had a lot to learn from her, didn't I? She's not inviting them just to an event or asking them just to listen to her word. She says to come and see. She's inviting him to, them to see the Messiah himself. I could tell you how great Kilkeel is until the cows, home, cows come home. And I, and I will if you want me to. Um, but you'll not really hold the opinion until you come yourself. Or at least I'd, I'd hope that they would hold that opinion. Yeah, I've got some nods there from Kilkeel people. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ask people to come and see. We all have a longing for that satisfaction. And so our invite shouldn't be exclusive. Our job as believers is to make sure that we come alongside others and to tell them to come and see the one who can offer that satisfaction. And the conversation is exactly the same with the disciples. And Jesus says that there's a feast of spiritual food waiting. And he invites us to share that feast, to find joy working for this spiritual harvest. Because not only should we want to tell people about this offer, not only should we find joy speaking about the one who has saved us, we should do it because people are ready to hear it. Look at verse 35. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Go. Part of God's will for our lives as believers is that we would go. That we would go and make disciples. The harvest is ready. And if you want proof of that, look at verse 39 here. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. They believed in him because the woman's testimony painted a picture of who this Jesus was. She explained how he offered living water. He satisfied a desire which only he could satisfy. And she was transformed. She was transformed because she received the spirit, this living water. And because of that, they didn't just accept it, they were drawn to him. They came to him. That was her invite, come and see. And what we all want is to experience Jesus for ourselves. I don't know how many times I've heard that, but I just want an experience. And so don't give people an, an invite that offers anything less. Let them come and see this Jesus. Invite people to explore who he is. Because look what can happen. Look at verse 42. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. The harvest is ready. And when anyone gets a taste of that satisfaction that's in Jesus, they'll come to know that this man really is the saviour of the world. We all long for something that this world just can't provide. We're famished, thirsty, in need of a saviour who meets our needs. But there's living water ready to overflow in our lives. His cup is ready to drink from. And I wonder, have you taken it for yourself? Or are you still maybe chasing things that the world offers to fulfill that desire? It's not wrong to want certain things in this world, but we're blind if we miss the point that they can never fulfill that void. We need the Spirit for that. And we receive him as we receive Jesus, sealed as a believer, saved from your sins, transformed, redeemed, and satisfied by this living water. But for those who have taken that cup that Jesus offers, 
As you drink from it, I want to encourage you to pass it around and let others drink from it too. Because we're all in the same hopeless position without it. I know it's maybe not as clear for everyone, and it doesn't have to be, but when I became a Christian about four years ago, I've never had anything change me more than the Holy Spirit. This joy, this satisfaction that's in in him, it's not an abstract thought, it's real and it's life-changing. And it genuinely breaks my heart to know that people have not yet accepted him. People in our families, and our friendship groups, maybe even in our own congregation. But good news is that the offer is still there. The offer is there for them, so invite people to come and see. And I hope that excites you. He's moving in people's hearts. My prayer is that we wouldn't stop inviting people to come and see him. Pray that they would receive it. And make sure that in your own life that you're drinking from that well that's within you. That it's in him that you're satisfied and in him that you find your joy. My prayer as we finish is that we wouldn't just want to be filled ourselves though. My prayer is that we'd want to overflow on the lives around us too. That we'd unashamedly talk about him in our workplaces, to our families, to our friends, to whoever's around us. That we would proclaim his name and show them where this living water comes from. He gave his life that you might have this living water. And so when you drink from his cup of living water, don't keep it to yourself. Let others come and taste and see that he is good. This satisfaction is at hand for all. But does your response show that? Or will you feed and drink from something else that this world is offering? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the gift that you give us this offer to come and drink from your cup. We thank you, Father, that you've made us so that nothing else this world can offer can satisfy us but you. And so, God, I pray that our response would reflect that. God, that we would come and drink from your cup, that we would accept this living water. But not only that, Father, we pray that we would be people who invite others to come and see the one who offers it. That whoever has maybe come to mind, God, as we, um, as we looked at this passage, God, that we would, we would take hold of those opportunities, that we would reach out to those people who do not yet know you. God, that we would invite them to come and see this Jesus. Father, we pray that each of us would be people who reflect your glory, that invite others to come and to drink from the well that you offer us. And Father, we ask that you continue to teach us about this passage as we go out in our, own, in our own lives, God, this week. Teach us how to live in light of it. And we pray these in your name. Amen.